0: Hey, welcome back to Optimism Vaccine. I'm Steve, and joining me today, uh, not Adam Myros. He's he's passed away, RIP. Uh, Died a dumb bitch disease, but we got uh, Producer Collins here! Producer Collins? Oh, crap. I didn't know... Yeah, I didn't know you were going to start with me. <laughs> wow, wow. <laughs> yeah, You got to keep yourself on your toes. I think this is a common complaint, well, by I'm the Steve. way. It's like a Steve goes like cold open and then he just starts talking about things that we are ill prepared to discuss. And that's the idea. I'm here to make you uncomfortable, Colin.
1: Oh, good. Because that, yeah, you, you, you nailed it. And, you know, I'm always listening on, on every episode. This is just the first time you, you've actually spoken to me. I didn't, I didn't actually know I was going to be on,
0: but thank you. Yeah. Um, Uh, normally with Colin, we, we have a, you know, don't speak, uh, only be spoken to kind of, kind of thing, or we send him like secondhand information. We don't, we just, mostly with Colin, we just like to talk down to him. That's, that's kind of our thing, right?
1: Thank you, sir. Yes, sir.
0: (laughs) And he says, Steve, have you played the new Yakuza game? And I'm like, shut the fuck up, Colin. Oh
1: my God. Put
0: some more compression on my voice.
1: (laughs) Sir. We do not call them Yakuza anymore. They, that entire series is now known uh, as Like a Dragon. Okay, uh, that Yakuza name has been retired. Uh, it, it's kind of offensive if you think about it, because
0: you're, you're stereotyping uh, criminal organizations. <laughs> yeah, I actually, I just, got a, I just got Steam Deck in the mail, and uh, I was going to ask you which Yakuza game I should play first, because I've never played one, uh, but I didn't have a spare six hours to talk to you about it, so I wasn't sure which, which was the best to start with. <laughs>
1: Yeah, dude, I feel like the virgin gamer here because, uh, obviously you just got a Steam Deck, and then there's Jack Easton who got a Steam Deck, and I don't have one, so I feel, Oh, wow. You know.
0: Get on the mm-hmm. fucking Chad level, man.
2: Oh, man, it's an exclusive club. It's an exclusive club. I, I just, I don't know, Steve, don't give away all the production secrets. Like, people don't need to know how the sausage get made. All they need to know is that it tastes like shit. <laughs> That's exactly
0: it. <laughs> Oh, my God. Yeah, I, I don't. Uh, Colin, I feel like if I asked you which Yakuza game to start with, you would just say like Shenmue 2 or something, and then we'd get off in a different direction.
2: <laughs> <laughs> I did say to that start, recently. Start with zero, Steve. Yeah. You start with zero, zero, you get all the things you get to. You get to collect videos of sexy Japanese actresses. I love that. You get to manage a nightclub. You get to have dance-offs. It's, uh, yeah, you know, it's, it's got Okay, roll. that's
0: what I was thinking of starting with. <laughs>
1: I would say start with Kiwami because Kiwami is a shorter game. And then when you play Yakuza 0, it'll probably make more sense because Yakuza 0, it is a prequel game, but it's a lot of it's a lot of it's referencing things you should already know. So that's kind of the problem with it is that like you might just be like, oh, wow, that is funny that that guy showed up and had a weird voice. But no, you should be laughing because he's like a boss three games from then, you know, and
0: eh. oh, you that's know. good this is like this is like if somebody told me to start with like resident evil zero as my first resident evil game
2: so i'd be like <laughs> what the fuck game. is this
0: shit no it's good the yeah.
2: i mean you could do i just i just recommend that one because that's the one i started with because it was just the most convenient at the time and i had a great time <laughs> i good. didn't know what the fuck was happening but i would go dancing every single night i would do karaoke mm. they'd be like you need to go see this guy about a super serious issue and We're like yeah but i'm going to the arcade game you know, I'm. I'm just gonna go play Outrun for three hours. I love that. Man, uh, that's that's what the game is. That's the heart of the game. So just do whatever. Beautiful. They're all good. I'm sure. Whatever. Man, I'm glad we're talking about these. Uh, is this just a video gaming podcast? Yeah, yeah. This you know? is yeah, totally yeah.
0: Products? Yeah. Producer Collins, Gamer Corner. Even though Steve started this conversation thread, <laughs> let's fucking go. Smash that like and well, subscribe button and make sure you the hit country. the bell. We got
2: the country. Yeah. Like we got the country right. Yeah, we're, yeah. We're, We are in Japan this episode. Oops, we're in <laughs> yes. Japan. So-
1: and you were talking about uh, the sausage, how the sausage gets made, and I think that's really appropriate for these these two films here, where uh, they're they're all about. Well, actually, just the first film is all about <laughs> how the sausage
0: gets made. <laughs> it's a, it's a lot of sausage. Hey, <laughs> yeah. Well, I I think I think both the movies that we're gonna talk about, though, it's like it, it, they're they're super dependent on essentially like the 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 gimmick in each kind of drive the the narrative and the and the film construction so uh yeah it's it's important and you know uh, with optimism vaccine we like to do a couple of things one we like to uh inundate people with uh horrific shit but then every once in a while we got to cleanse the palate and this is a good palate cleanser uh this one came to jack also, from Jack, I should say, and and Jack's logic behind this, which I really enjoyed and we kind of hinted at in the last episode, was uh, everything everywhere all at once is a dumb movie for dumb babies, so we should do movies that are uh, <laughs> stylistically similar in some tangential ways, but also just a lot better to talk about and way more interesting. So.
2: Uh, yeah yeah I didn't I didn't want to get in on on harp too much of the I didn't like everything everywhere all at once because really it's like it's a fine film it's like I don't I don't think it's a good movie but like it's also not like oh my god I can't believe I hate this movie whatever but it did did kind of occur to me and it didn't it just occurred to me randomly later because I watched both these movies for the first time last year sometime probably close enough to when I first watched everything all at once sorry the only time I ever watched everything (laughs) everywhere all at once because I'm never watching it again because why would I bother doing that to myself but uh, it it just occurred to me months and months later uh, around the Oscar times that like, I'm pretty sure the Daniels have watched both of these movies. I bet they have. And I bet they love them because they are doing very much what the Daniels seem to enjoy, which is like very arch formal kind of, gimmicky kind of maximalist kind of like cinema, like, you know, all, you know, under underlining all of the mechanics of what they're doing and having fun with that. And it's, it's, it seems like these films, the two we're discussing are very much in that same mode. I bet he, and they're both made, I think before everything, everywhere, all at once. Although I, I don't know beyond the infinite two minutes, maybe, maybe that one came out a little around the same time, but, um, yeah, you just kind of did these if if you enjoyed everything everywhere all at once. Or if you didn't, but you'd like to see more films kind of in a similar vein, I think these are two fun alternatives. And they're alternatives as well, in that, you know, they're actually independent movies. They're actual micro budget, kind of made by just a couple of people, which is like an idea in their head and a lot of grift. And, you know, I like, and one of the one cut of the dead, you know, was made for, I think, like $25,000 and it made over $25 million internationally. It was massively successful. So so, you know, there, there's some cool stuff in these. Um, but yeah, let's, yeah. I, I don't want to harp on the like, oh, man, I hate that damn Daniels movie. It's like, whatever. <laughs> it fucking Michelle Daniels. I can't, I can't hate yeah. that too much. That's cool. Exactly. So, you know, whatever. But no, yeah, I, I yeah, think it's it's, it's
0: a game. net positive if you get to introduce like a large swath of the population to Michelle Yeoh and there's a possibility that they'll seek out more right. of her movies. Like that's that's a, a thumbs up for me. Uh, but yeah, I I could I do without the movie? Yeah, probably. Is it the worst thing I've ever seen? <laughs> Absolutely
2: not. Uh, but it they should they should have given her uh, an Oscar for yes, Madame. But the Oscar should have had broken legs. Mm-hmm. Would have, that, would have, that nice would have been nice if they could work that out logistically.
1: Yeah. Uh, to answer your question though. Uh, Beyond the infinite two minutes is uh, it was released June fifth, twenty twenty. So. Years before, oh, it's even, yeah. yeah, it's
2: older than I thought. Yeah, I, I figured they were both earlier, but I don't remember how the distribution came for for that one because mm-hmm. I popped up in my radar early-ish last year. Um but anyway, it's hard to say. I don't know. The distribution for these walks, one cut of the dead got uploaded to Amazon Prime and was streaming there. And then the worldwide rights holder at some point said, we didn't do that. It shouldn't <laughs> be there. So who knows? That's... Oh my Amazon God. is
0: so funny like that. Like, there's so much shit on, on Amazon Prime streaming, because you can upload anything. And yep. nobody cares until someone does. So, and, and the other thing is, too, is like, I, I think people are trying to do this as like a revenue-grabbing grift, but uh, if there's a movie that's slipped into the public domain or something and you search for it on amazon prime you'll find like nine different versions of it that people are just trying to upload so they can get like views on it i guess i don't with, know
2: and with sexy modern like pictures with glamour models mm-hmm. and shit yeah. on them like they, they try and make it look like it's a movie from the 80s like a softcore porn i've seen several of those and it's like <laughs> what is happening yeah, it's awesome
0: <laughs> uh yeah the, the the wheels came off long ago on bezos streaming service and no one has bothered to put them back on it it is it's amusing like it's it's more fucked up than Tubi and Tubi's got some fucked up stuff on it so cool (laughs) <laughs> I mean,
2: it, I, I it all stems back to the fact that, I mean, it's pretty much noted on record that uh, Amazon's entire film wing was started basically as a dating service for Jeff Bezos, yeah. as a reason to hang out with famous ladies. And uh, the rest of it unfolds naturally from that point, I think, um, that it's just a chaotic swamp. Yeah,
0: exactly. And and what a smart guy, because how else is he going to meet women, you know? Uh, he's got a good pitch. Yeah. He's like, I'm, I'm a fucking billionaire, and I look like a grown-up Tommy oh. Pickles, like, Oh, uh, who do, who doesn't want to fuck that? <laughs> he
1: the, does kind the, of look the, like the grandpa from uh, Rugrats. Now that you mention it, yeah, the, uh, definitely uh, in the, uh, on the mom's family. side.
2: <laughs> yeah, hitting the gym though. I yeah. mean, uh, got you got that that much working for him, but yeah, you know. <laughs> uh, but oh. yeah, it,
0: you know, th- thinking about these movies and how when they came out almost sort of predates uh, this this American. Film zeitgeist thing that we have going now with populist movies that has kind of spilled over into the uh, prestige art house realm, which is this this whole like I don't know soft sci fi multiverse (laughs) stuff. And not that this is like a new idea, you know, something like uh, Beyond the Infinite Two Minutes that that fits in nicely with say Primer or something, which at this point is I, I don't know how many years old, but it's it's been around and. Uh, but just thinking about this idea of, you know, uh, multiverses and 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 all the stuff that, that both of these films kind of flirt with, uh, it, it works really well for American films because, it's like, well, we, we have taken a franchise to its absolute fatigue and breaking point, and then beyond several levels of that, what do we do? And the answer is, well, you just pretend like there are infinite possibilities in the universe, ergo, we can just, you know... Uh, fuck around with these same characters in ways that don't fit into typical canon and then they just go on forever uh which is a horrifying notion but it turns out you can be pretty smart with this shit and and you know it's fun when i get to watch uh a a sci-fi movie uh or something that kind of leans into a gimmick but the gimmick it's woven into the fabric of the film and it's not just window dressing and i think both of these movies do a really nice job of that um Specifically, one cut of the dead, I, I enjoyed quite a bit because I didn't, I didn't know what it was. Like, I thought I knew what it was. Like, in my head, I just assumed it was a zombie comedy and the whole gimmick was uh, one unbroken take. Great. Fine. Uh, but that's not a gimmick. I mean, it's a part of the movie, but it's not the gimmick. I thought I was just going <laughs> to get like Shaun of the Dead, like fucking Russian arc or some shit but it's a little different than that. And what I enjoy about it is, the first 30 minutes are trash, kind of. I mean, <laughs> it has a, just a, a little yeah. bit of charm, but I'm watching it, I'm like, I don't think I understand what people like about this. And then the credits started rolling at like 34 minutes and I, I hit pause on it and I was just like, how fucking long is this? What happens now? Like, <laughs> and then I'm like, how is there like another hour going on here? And then it's like, well, and and then you get like a 20, 20 more minutes of, of kind of like setting the stage of what the movie is to become. And then the final 30 minutes, you're like, okay, I I get it now. Um, But it's like, it's, it's softly antagonistic to its audience, especially if, you know, your expectation coming in is not what you, what it ends up being. It was, it was kind of fun. And And I don't, I don't necessarily like movies that take the Lars von Trier approach of like, You know, hey, I'm going to stand here and fuck with you for two hours or whatever. But this this seems a little bit more playful than that, which I appreciate.
2: Yeah, I think it's obviously. Meant, I mean, it's meant to be from from the opening. You get a sense that this is like you know. Let's not get too serious about things, which I think is part of it. like you you talked about earlier. You know, um like the idea of the multiverse in American cinema being harnessed by the comic book movies and so on, and really it doesn't it doesn't work that well. And it's because I think part of it, you know, or it's a horrifying concept of them just rehashing the same material yeah, over and over again with this multiverse concept. Concept, and it's like because it really it originated within that mode, I guess, with comic books themselves and the thing about it was with comic books was the idea was that they were made fast and pretty cheap you know to a budget and they were and there was just hundreds of them they'd come out over and over again and so it meant there was a lot of reasons to do different things and you know come at stuff from different angles but it was all kind of understood to be somewhat disposable if it didn't work it's fine it's just a couple of issues or whatever it's fine whereas the problem in american cinema right now is that they're rehashing all this stuff but it also is Still too big to fail, so uh, there's no so there's no levity to it. There's nothing like that. It's it's just taken everything's like really big and important and and big budget, uh, which again brings something like one cut of the dead is kind of nice because it, it does have that kind of like lo-fi mess element to it, and some of that is genuine because it was made for almost nothing, and another part of it is because the last section of the film explains all these weird things that happen in the first section. You're like, why, why is this woman screaming on and off for two minutes in an uninterrupted take? Why did a dead person walk back into one scene? You know, things like this, that the film then brings back in and it's, it's fun the way they do it, but it also is kind of, there's just a levity and a freedom in it. That's not really representative of you know, even everything, everywhere, all at once, and I, don't, again, don't want to harp on it, but mm-hmm. like, it's a very serious film at all times, even when it's spouting nonsense it's a terribly serious film um and i I think that works against it in a sense and then like to the point where where it gets really unserious you have the hot dog fingers of the tanuki ratatouille person it's like this feels like very pointed note inserts to try and like oh you know we need a little bit of levity here you know it's it's kind of like producer notes rather than rather than an actual kind of thread through the film um, whereas One Cut of the Dead is just genuinely just kind of bonkers from the outset and it's it's kind of like it's it's insane that it did as well as it, it did because you're right Steve I mean for people to walk into cinema here and this thing played did gangbusters in Japan like it really brought loads of people in and they sat down and for the first 35 minutes or whatever you're watching a single cut zombie feature full of obvious mistakes and flubs and stuff and you've no context for it and there's nothing in the film to provide a context for other than figuring maybe you know I guess they'll explain it later and they do but you've no idea you know for the first 35 minutes you're watching a creaky zombie movie yeah. effectively and, and because and a lot of like I want to
0: do that. I, I didn't know that the movie was more than just that because um, yeah, if, nice. if you watch enough like cheap ass shot on video zombie movies uh, like the one that takes the first 30 or so minutes of of one cut of the dead like that's this is what you expect you know it kind of looks like shit um you know the the white balance is off and then there's all these like weird continuity errors and just like strange moments that don't make sense within the context of the film but like ultimately it becomes about just like the, the joy and the chaos of the filmmaking process and then as you get further along you're like oh now i understand why this was so weird and there's so many movies that are just the first 30 minutes of One Cut of the Dead that exist out there. And you just kind of go, huh. <laughs> and you don't ever think about it again. But it's nice this comes back. You're right about that.
1: Uh, the, the first third of the film, it is the cheesy horror film. And you see it uh, in one cut to completion. You know, start to the 30 minutes. Then the second part of the film, we're actually understanding that, you know, the, we actually see the behind the scenes And then the last third of the film, it's explaining why it happened. But I just, at no point did I care. I hate to say that, but at no point did I care about any of these characters. They all have heart. You know, there's a really forced, and I think we need to talk about this, uh, uh, strange relationship between the director and his daughter. And it just kind of comes from nowhere. Maybe I missed something really important. You can enlighten me, but... It just felt I like. I suppose
2: the energy of the film, and I mean, like, absolutely, it's a very lightweight film. There's not, there's not great character work in no. here. By <laughs> any,
1: by no, any means. no, no. Um, it, but the acting much, is, I mean... the acting is bad, though. Like, and I felt that way after the first thirty minutes. I actually felt that way when it was someone sitting on a couch just talking to someone else, and it was supposed to be in the real world, you know, in quotes, because the first 30 sure. minutes is a bad film. And I
2: mean, I, th- I, so far as I'm aware, I mean, this is um, largely, I think, a theater troupe working, so I'm, I'm not sure. Like, I mean, I think for most of these people, they do not have a lot of film credits, or a lot of their film credits are after this movie. I think they're mm. just probably helping mm-hmm. their careers uh, Quite a bit, yeah. But I mean, I suppose I suppose the concept behind the film is that I'm it, like my note about this film. I suppose is it's about the camaraderie of filmmaking. In the uh. sense, actually, it's it's sort of um, if a, like a film we discussed not too far or to not too long ago, Viva Erotica. This is basically a very similar kind mm-hmm. of. Uh, f- concept to you know kind of like finding the value in the work that even mm. when you're making trash there's a there's there's a value in doing it well or you know, taking it seriously um you know and i i think that's kind of like what's what's pushing and or, or propelling the whole thing i would agree i mean it's certainly it's 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 a film it was made for like 25 grand and it's a film with an ex- fairly extensive cast i mean primer was made for half nothing but like that's because there was like three guys in it and they were all just friends <laughs> with the director, yeah. you know, and shot on weekends. I This, I assume, is probably similar, but like um, quite a lot of moving parts. And I imagine just logistically to make this thing is kind of a nightmare. I, I can only imagine when we get to Beyond the Infinite two minutes, that just sounds like I don't even just think about how they shot. That hurts my head. Mm. Um but, you know, it, I, yeah, I mean, I, I can understand this is not necessarily like something that everyone's going to be like, oh, man, that was great. But, you know, I think there there is a warmth to it or at least a levity that kind of like push it through. I mean, it's basically about the chaos of making a movie and what comes out the other side may not be good or bad, but you know what? Every, every movie is kind of like a miracle. Mm-hmm. But it's not like making a big deal of that. It's not like the sacrosanct kind of thing of like, you can't make fun of movies. It's just like, you know, there's, there's family relationships and nonsense and stuff happening at all times. Yeah. And you're never quite sure what you're going to get on the film or get on the camera at the end of it all. You know?
1: Yeah. I, I suppose it's just that so much of the conflicts and so much of the issues just seem to be, i don't know self-created it doesn't really nothing nothing feels organic in the movie if that makes any sense, and, it, and
2: it, I mean, certainly there, there certainly there's like three people in the movie who would just you'd never work with them again. One of them just gets drunk on camera, and then the, the <laughs> actress who just like gets so into roles she becomes violent. And Yeah, it's like, yeah, I mean, yeah absolutely. This is very artificial. No,
1: no, no, no. It's not that though. I mean, because you can make anything, no matter how silly, you can make it feel organic. It's just that I don't always know how we get from point A to point B, and then to have it revealed later on in a really I'd say, ham-fisted way, where it's like, you see, if you noticed any issues with the first third of the movie, the joke's on you. And I think that's why it was popular to begin with. I assume that, you know, if if you were of a certain age, you'd be like, hey, dude, you got to see this movie, and we're not going to tell you what it's about, because they want to see your reaction. You know, like, I could understand why that's a popular movie, but... Well, I don't know. Even, even the, the gimmick actual itself,
0: i Like, I, I, I think... <laughs> If you tried to explain it, you're like, so the first 30 minutes is a movie, but it's not the movie. And then after that, it's about how they get to make the movie. And then you see how they make the movie. I, you can't even explain mm. it like, <laughs> in a way where someone would be like, okay, that makes sense. Um, but
2: <laughs> there's that. But there's also like the, you know, the, the I, I think part of it, there's a meta textual element to it of you know it's about a bunch of kind of like on the fringes people throwing together a project but also it's a project made by a bunch of on the fringes people Mm -hmm. and the success of it and i think the support for it probably in some degree comes from that that it's kind of like it's a small odd independent film made just kind of on a wing and a prayer you know kind of in the in the vein of small odd you know kind of i mean it's made for tv theoretically See, the, the the conceit in the film is that they're making a live tv broadcast but you know it's low money low stakes it's kind of like look we're making crap whatever it does you know we just think it'll be fun to do so you know i th- I think there's an element there that you know may bring audiences over that they're like you know you know hey this this is kind of like a fun idea you know i think it helps if the film doesn't take itself at any point particularly seriously there's no point where you're kind of like brought in where the, where they you know I mean the father hugs his daughter at the end because she fixes something she has some good ideas and it's like okay you know you got your your little mm-hmm. bass dramatic beats but it's not like at any point they had like a major argument and they had like sad music swell up and we all had to like think about times when we've had conflict with our parents <laughs> the film never the film never stops to do any of that no. stuff because it doesn't care like cause it knows it doesn't need no it the only thing no, that this movie cares about really
0: is just like you said, like emphasizing the camaraderie of filmmaking and saying like, Hey, even if you're making something that is falling apart and cheap and ridiculous, it's still worth like committing to fully. Like that's, that's worth something which is kind of refreshing because especially in just the, the horror film space, I think the convergence of two things, one like post scream success, uh, uh horror films becoming hyper like self-aware winking at the camera uh and then that like ooh, we're bad but it's on purpose mixed with the cheap accessibility of digital filmmaking and so you combine those two things and you get a lot of people making a lot of cheap shitty movies but instead of you know finding ways to really like commit and throw themselves into it. It just becomes very cynical. And uh, there's been tons and tons of movies that have been released that you could find on services like Amazon prime video where you're like, God damn, like clearly these people aren't taking the fact that they're making a movie seriously, because as you said, like every movie that gets created and released, is a fucking miracle. And uh, just, just not giving any weight to that is it's insulting to the medium. Uh, but then you have, you have this beautiful moment at the end of one cut of the dead with their little, you know, uh, camera contraption that's supposed to shoot the final uh, shot that where the credits roll of the woman. And it breaks, they, they knock it off of the, of the roof during all the shenanigans that are going on in this final scene. And then they make a little human pyramid with all the cast members so they can shoot the final scene. And that's, I mean, that's it, man. Like that's, that's the heart of the movie pretty much. Um, but yeah, Colin, I, I do not discount your, your criticism as well. Cause they're all, I mean, they're all spot on. And also I think it's hard to sell in a movie where you say, okay, so for about 45 minutes, you're probably going to hate this. And then it'll become great. <laughs>
1: It is. It is the uh, Final Fantasy 13 of movies, if you will. Oh wow! Um, no,
0: <laughs> no.
1: I just, I just want to say that it's, it's not without some good ideas. My issue mostly uh, pertains to, I think, some pretty flat acting uh, in the, uh, the second part. Because um, when it's, when it's being over the top, at least. You know, it, it seems to lean into their strengths a little better. And I think that's something we'll talk about with the second film. I just don't think it it, it quite lived up to the strengths of what they had in front of them. Uh, and the issue is that that first 30 minutes, you're just you're watching this film. And then the second half, it's explaining the film. And it's like, I guess the tension is, aren't you going to wonder if this is going to happen or not? But I already saw the movie. I already know what happens. I already know that the broadcast is a success. I already know that the crane shot's going to work. So I'm supposed to wonder how it happened, but yeah, I don't
2: really how, care. How's the like, it's made? Not- What's in that sausage, Colin? Well, I suppose to be, to be, to be fair, we don't know if the broadcast is a success. We don't know if anyone in in the world of the cinema tuned in to watch this <laughs> TV show. Uh, it's just that it, it was made. They they delivered. They, they kept shooting through the one cut. Yeah. I mean, there, there's a couple of things in this film that I think are, you know, kind of, firstly, I mean, it's playing very much with kind of like, um, there's there's kind of a multiple frames of reality because we're 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 talking about filmmaking. We have in front and behind of the camera, effectively, and we have and we see the same story unfolding in both of those spaces, and one explains the other to a certain degree. And I think that's um, it's it's kind of what some of the you know. Uh, about both of these films that I enjoy. So like both of these films are I think, inherently cinematic. They're, they're both films that like, like Steve, you mentioned, you could hardly explain this movie to someone. And it's true. Uh, uh, you know, if you were to write down the scripts for both this film and Beyond the Infinite Two Minutes, it would at best be reported. It, it wouldn't make any sense dramatically at all because the tools of these films are intrinsically about it being in a camera and being in time and space effectively and in cuts or not cuts as is the case for the you know the the original kind of capsule of of one cut of the dead um you know and it's kind of like playing around with those kind of like multiple phases i mean theater i suppose has something of a with the idea of the proscenium you know the the like window of the, the front of the stage and there's like in front of and behind that um so there's kind of an element of theater, but really, you know, in it, with the, with film, it's it's kind of like you have that plus the camera in front and behind of the camera. You also have the idea of the pre-production phases and everything. There's all these like layers of of work and effort and kind of like details that are filled in. And then whatever happens in front of the camera is this entirely other organic thing that can go in many, many different ways. And, I, you know, I suppose the idea is that there's like a playfulness in that it's not so much that like we're explaining you know it's, it's i think like the the second part isn't so much explaining why the wild things happen in the first one so much it's like filling in around it it's like this idea of how any you know there's kind of a free-for-all process within the whole thing and they they managed to roll with it rather than against it and you know mm-hmm. which comes back to the camaraderie kind of element to it i also the thing that i quite like about this film is because one of the other things that happens steve you mentioned like when, when digital cameras, Became increasingly available. One of the big things that happened was shooting became cheap. You know, um, because you didn't have to buy reels of film. Reels of film cost a lot, and then you had to process them and you could only use them once, and there were all these costs, which meant you had to be very careful about what you filmed. And suddenly we have digital cameras and limitless storage and you can just shoot forever. Which meant and also the cameras got lighter and more compact, and really basically meant the one shot, the sequence shot, essentially the one take, mm-hmm. became very accessible, and previously the one take sequence was this like this kingmaker in cinema. It's this thing that like from you know in Japan Mizoguchi was like considered you know a master of the sequence shot. Um, Tarkovsky in Russia, mm-hmm. Scorsese Yo, in what about know, uh, Orson Welles? bellatar's <laughs> Macbeth didn't
0: he, he like from the early eighties?
2: <laughs> That's he's- right. He did. But it wasn't it a stage performance. I think he was filming. I don't recall. I've actually not watched that. Yeah, hard, there's like there's like uh,
0: one unbroken
2: like hour long shot basically. Yeah, you know, because why? Why not? You yeah. know, but but the, the concept like for for a long time like this the sequence shot was this like really important kind of like it it was basically it signified that this is like a serious artist for better or worse. It kind of became known as that mm-hmm. because just it, economically a sequence shot is something you really can't do without an enormous amount of support. And then suddenly with digital filming, a- anyone can do one pretty much. You know, you can just, you just roll. You can film whatever the fuck you like. Uh, and it became a thing <laughs> that anyone could do. But people still tend to associate that they did it to emulate the great Artists they saw, and we've seen all manner of like gimmicky nonsense long take things because of it, and um, that it all you know fall back to, like Alfonso Cuarón's *Children of Men*, which is a movie that I don't think is very good, and there's been like numbers of other ones that have like you know this long take aesthetic that then hidden cuts you know also playing back in like Hitchcock and *Rope*, I suppose is another mm-hmm. one that like hides its cuts so that it, it, it there's a continuity of time and place apparently, you know, uh, and this film kind of punctures all of that it's like no this, it's a single take because it was a gimmick the TV station wanted and it was a stupid idea and the whole thing is a fucking nightmare because of it and you know, this is kind of a fun element in that too which again I think is supported by the fact that the film just kind of has this sort of like playful chaotic energy to it you know it's very much an outsider kind of a film I think I think part of what drew people to it as well is just the idea that you know you're you're not seeing something that went through layers of production and had a lot of like seasoned veterans adding notes in this is very much like uh, we kind of had an idea and we did some stuff here you go. And, you know, it's it's nice for those to escape into, into the mainstream every once in a while. I think it's, it's it's like it's the thing that A24 movies aren't, even though A24 try and market all this stuff as like minimal interference, minimal, you know, doctoring and stuff. It's like you know, a lot of these are very, very carefully curated. On top of the fact that A24 also is a distribution company, not a production company. So they didn't even make half these films, you know, it's, nor do they even particularly claim to but people seem to believe it's like a A24 house style. Yeah. And I was like, no, they just, they buy movies that fit their <laughs> marketing wing. It's not like this all the way around, but anyhow, mm-hmm. complain yeah, too I, much. But, there
1: yeah. is, there is, it, I don't want to make it seem like this movie's bad or anything because it is unique and because of, of its editing, the way that decides to take its form is unique because you see the movie and then it's explained. Um, and so it might seem like I'm really missing the point here, but I wouldn't even I, if I could just get rid of that first 30 minutes and maybe flesh out the the, the characters that are behind the camera, because that's the issue is that you're introduced to these characters halfway through the film and they're not particularly well written or fleshed out because we have to get to uh, the recreation of the film we saw. So it's all just in a big hurry, and it never quite has any substance to it, for me at least. Listen, um, listen, all I, the, all the I, I, substance I like, and
0: characterization you need is in the the guy who plays the director who just bursts into shots and yells, Action! <laughs>
1: <laughs> yeah, because he's gone <laughs> insane, and he wants the zombies to eat
0: the, the, the person, and that's a cool
1: idea. That's that a, gimmick, and, I swear
0: to God, I never stopped laughing. Every He pops up like five different times, and every time I was like fucking dying. <laughs>
1: But that's also some of the greatest moments in that early part of the movie. Like uh, there's this this woman who um, she's taking self-defense courses and shows you shows you how to like uh, break out of a hold. If somebody grabs you from behind, you just sort of like step back and you put your hands up and you go. What was it? B or boom. It's palm palm. Yeah. Like like the, the,
0: the pomegranate juice you buy at the grocery store, Colin. Come on.
1: Uh, of course and then it, it, it bursts in your trunk and then you, it just smells like that forever Uh, oh, it's terrible uh, i mean oh whatever but the, the, the uh uh but it, it, that's really funny the first time you see it because it's so random you know so it kind of breaks the tension and it's more human um and it comes out of nowhere but then they explain it uh like three different times like she says it like four different times and it, it just kind of I don't know. It takes away from the, uh, that, that really funny shock value of her just being like, hey, I'm going to show you how to do this defense move.
2: Well, I think she has. She has to say the palm thing because at a certain like there has to be a sound accompanying it. Because at certain points later, when things are getting really frenetic, you just hear her off camera almost her screaming palm, and you realize <laughs> that means they fails to contain her once again, and she's gonna come back into the movie, which they don't want. She's not supposed to be in the film anymore. I like when she's point. when she's
0: explaining it to the self defense thing, and like it, the guy just says, do you, "Do you have to say palm?" And she's like, "Oh yeah, that's like a crucial part."
2: That's oh,
1: what makes yes, it work. Yeah. Important. It <laughs> she's makes a, perfect she's actually a really great act. She's the best actress in the movie, or the best actor in the movie, I should say, in general. Like everyone else, I'm like, eh, but she's really great. There's just okay. like a, a really great energy to her mania. Cause that's her character is always sort of like, I don't know, just trying to rush towards the solution, <laughs> no matter what it is. And unfortunately, I I just. I really struggle sometimes to understand on that last third like where the drama is, what the tension is. I understand that it's the film and complete the movie, but I already know the movie's completed. And like I said, the Dodger thing between the uh cuz there are sequels to this movie. I don't know if you guys saw that, but there's two sequels. The
2: spin-off. Yeah, I there's thing, like there's like a on Covid one. <laughs> <laughs> Which, again, you got to understand, I mean, I'm not surprised, because honestly, if you hit on this cash cow, I mean, uh, you, know, fair, you know, you'd know, you have to. There's also the French remake by mm-hmm. Michel, the artist has Visius, I, I cannot recall his name off the top of my head, which I did watch, and which I would say is a perfectly fine film, but really doesn't work when, or like, they're, they're, it really can't fundamentally work in the same way when you realize the, these people have been to the Oscars several of these people have attended oscar ceremonies some uh, of them have oscars at home very different vibe yeah. when you basically recreate the exact same film then so just watch the japanese version you don't you know if you want to you can watch uh watch the french version just for why not i mean it's totally fine time but it's kind of like if any film did not need polishing up it's one cut of the dead yeah. uh it kind of defeats the purpose also
0: what the fuck artist guy like if you think about the arc of just every best picture filmmaker post best best picture win, does anybody have a sadder, more fucked up arc than the artist guy? <laughs> Well, I
2: think think the Oscars (laughs) part was like the weird, because I mean, prior to that, he was basically, he was making like OSS, like very French, quintessentially French comedies. Mm -hmm. And so how the artist became this international smash while still being a quintessentially French comedy. So I think he just like he returned back to what he knew is very weird to the artist, in a sense, became just like, I don't know what the timing was. I'm sure people have written about it at length at the time of like what it latched onto, but it's Mm -hmm. kind of strange that one did as well as it did. You know, it it would be kind of like unthinkable that like OSS-117 Nest of Spies fucking got Oscar nominations, Mm -hmm. but it's pretty much the same movie, uh, you know, to some degree. It's just a goofy comedy. Yeah. Yeah, it's almost
1: like these award shows are just a big goof. And none of I it mean, matters.
2: That's, that's why I always do
0: well in the Oscar pools, because you gotta get up, you gotta get into that fucked up Hollywood guy mindset, and every <laughs> single thing that they, that, that, like, the Academy votes for, they're either, like, voting for themselves in a weird way, like, it's like, oh, you know, I think the artist is a good example of this, where they're just like, oh, it's, it's about the movies, it's the old-timey movies, it's a nod to us, and they love that, they love shit about themselves. And then anything that's not about them, it has to be an apology to someone else. Uh, So, for instance, (laughs) you know, the whale is a great example of that. Like, oh, sorry. Like, I know, like 15 years ago, we, you know, sexually harassed you and then you spoke out about it. And then we kind of blackballed you and uh, whoopsie poopsie. Here's an award. (laughs) Thanks for being fat on
1: camera. I
2: think that's beautiful. That's what we do. Don't forget,
1: though. Um, uh, we haven't really talked about the, the director of this one. This is uh, Makoto Ueda. Uh He's the director and the writer on, on this first film. And I know we're going to talk about the second film in just a bit, but uh, he doesn't direct that second one.
2: They're, yeah, the, the films aren't connected. Are you talking about between One Cut of the Dead and Beyond the Infinite Two Minutes? I mean, they're, they're, I'm not aware of any crude connections between them.
1: No, not the connect. I'm sorry. Not It's not a sequel, but it's just the next movie we're going to talk about. It's not the same director.
0: No, different dudes. Uh, but I, I also feel like the fact that we know about uh, Beyond the Infinite Two Minutes is probably uh, directly connected to the success of One Cut of the Dead because, um, yeah, uh, it, Mr. Ueda, I believe, has he's, he's done his best to, to milk this for all it's worth. And God bless him, because if I was making movies for 25K and then I had a gazillion dollar selling movie... I would be like I'd be it'd be like that fucking scene from Spaceballs where they're just printing lunch boxes and shit I would sell out so
2: quickly that's all I would fucking do. <laughs> oh yeah, absolutely. Apparently apparently it is part of like a there there is a movement in Japan uh like to kind of create these, like, low-budget kind of one-take films. It, I think it was something that kind of caught on. It was something that I was trying to research as I came in, came in for this episode. I was trying to look for a third film because I, I thought these were both part of, like, a larger movement, but I couldn't find a third movie. So I think maybe the one-cut thing, maybe they just haven't escaped... Out of Japan, yeah. or they'd never made it into theaters or whatever. So we, we might be looking at two outliers here, but like there does mm. seem to be kind of a a, a lo fi kind it's, of like maybe it's like, like Dogman uh, I was like gonna say Dogman 95,
0: except like they only made like six movies and now they had to keep changing the rules because it was annoying. So <laughs> <they're like>
2: <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I gotta say, both of these movies look like they were real annoying to me. Oh make. my God, uh, I can't so. even imagine.
0: Well, and then this, so the second movie we're gonna talk about, um, Beyond the Infinite Two Minutes. Uh this one is uh, conceptually it's uh, the elevator pitch is simple it's like what you know what if what if you could see into the future but you can only see about 2 minutes into the future uh, and, and then that kind of creates this this little like micro soft sci-fi uh fun little self-contained movie that happens to be one continuous take uh but uh, you know how does that play out and it's basically like um I I don't know I mean think about like uh, Tenet, except Christopher Nolan's budget is only equal to the sum of his knowledge about human sexuality. So like $5,000 instead of, you know, $200 million. <laughs>
2: Tenet, Except instead of 75 mil IMAX cameras, it was shot on a cell phone. Mm. Uh, that's that's yeah, basically I, what we're I looking at I don't know
0: what the budget of Beyond the Infinite 2 Minutes is. However, I would guess it is what, how much does it cost to buy a GoPro Hero 8? Like, what is that, $200? That, that's the budget. That's it. <laughs> and I was
1: talking a lot on that first movie here. This one right here, this uh, Beyond the Infinite two minutes, it, it looks so much better. Like, it's just, I, and I'm not talking about the, because uh, the first part of, um, God, I'm already forgetting the name, One Cut of the Dead. That movie looks like crap on purpose. I get that. But this one, I just, I think it looks great. The costumes look great. I mean, it's not even, it's its own stagey theatrical production. But this is such an improvement over the first movie. Like it just—I don't know. I really enjoyed it. No one yeah. else.
2: It's it's a great movie. Like I mean, if, one thing beyond the infinite two minutes, it's seventy minutes long. It's like oh, super slick, the easy best, of cinema. And it's just like yeah. I mean, it kind of takes a very simple premise, which is literally that the guy, essentially the guy, this guy in a cafe. Uh, he he discovers that the there's a camera in the cafe and <laughs> monitors sure kind of linking him, and he discovers there's a two minute delay between them. But somehow this actually means that he can basically discuss depending on which monitor he's sitting in front of and they're both mic'd for sound, he can just kind of uh, talk to himself but only two minutes in the future or, or in the past, that's it It's so so. it's like micro time travel so it's, it kind of like boxes in the grand concept of time travel into this incredibly constrictive, almost nonsensically unimportant um, <laughs> kind of like phasm, like what, what are you going to do with two minutes of, of foresight, and then It kind of extrapolates out from that in this exhaustingly, breathlessly uh, crazy set of events to the point where, and honestly, it is... You know, it, like it the first time I watched this movie, I didn't like it as much, and honestly, part of that was because it's so well put together. It is honestly stressful. It's I very it's stressful, a yeah. stressful <laughs> movie to watch because you start watching it and you realize like the guys are talking, and then they're like, "No, you gotta wrap this up because you gotta get downstairs <laughs> because you're in the future down there." And then you know, I know what you need to say, and you're kind of looking at it going like, "You have to hit your lines because I know what you're gonna say because we've already seen it on the screen." And it's just like there's, and it's always like the whole. F- is constructed and I'm not 100% sure how they did this if they pre-recorded they must have pre-recorded elements on the screens and the monitors and then I don't know if they actually I don't think they shot in one take I think they shot in two minute sequences but like it's all like they had a timer on set they shot with a cell phone or with you know like a really tiny camera handheld um, and they, they had a timer running and I think they shot in like two minute exact increments the whole thing is constructed like a goddamn mathematical like thing, this is like Shane <laughs> Carruth like levels of like just insanity. Um, and but for for a breezy comedy, effectively, kind of about how you know you you got to roll with it sometimes. You know that playing with the future or trying to you know meet your own expectations can be a trap. You know, and that's fundamentally what the film is about. Essentially, is that they they get this insight into time travel and they start trying to game it, and it becomes honestly a trap that traps them into like they know what they have to say in a minute and 30 seconds, so they have to say it. And like after a while, the crew are like, the, the cast in the movie, the characters are like going like, oh, I remember, you have to say this. And it's like, oh yeah, shit, I need to get on camera and say this because I, I know that's what happens. And it's kind of like untethers the whole idea of cause and effect. Mm-hmm. Um, and it doesn't really effortlessly, like you say, in 70 minutes, just real slick. Like you be, you know, it never stops moving. It's, it's a really impressive kind of a product to put together for, again, I'm assuming fuck all money. Like nothing.
1: <laughs> yeah, that's, well that you, that's the one thing about Ueda is that, like you said, they were, they were, um, uh, or he was in theater. This entire troupe was in theater at one point. And it feels like One cut of the Dead is them almost like talking about learning how to do movies if that makes any sense because it has so much um, backstage fourth wall breaking. Whereas this is just them like having a really fun idea and using their expertise in theater and applying it to something that you really couldn't do in theater. Cause you would, I mean, I guess you could, but you would need, uh, two sets of actors it would,
2: it would again yeah i mean it's has got like i was talking about like earlier like it, it, this is a fundamentally cinematic problem mm-hmm. yeah it would be it, pretty much it has to exist in this format the script i don't even know what a script for this <laughs> would look like yeah um, <laughs> let alone the construction but yeah i mean it is all the one take aesthetic but then it's screens within screens within screens yeah you know it's it's wild but there,
1: there we we watch the scenes literally twice every single time well not every single time because sometimes it happens off camera and we then we see the effects later but you'll see a scene yeah uh, in 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 completion multiple times just repeating and it's something that you can really like you said you can only do that in movies in tv it just that's 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 insane we have to get to commercials you can't do that only in film could you really do that maybe i guess a youtube video um, yeah,
2: and I, I guess and if playing with the same idea as One Cut in the Dead has this kind of like planes of in front of and behind the camera and we explore the same reality from those two vantage points, this extrapolates out that even more which because, because eventually in the film they like start they, they get this great idea. It's like if we move one of the TVs. With the two minute little delay into view of the other one, we can can expand (laughs) this and expand Mm -hmm. it to maybe by the end of like maybe 15 minutes in the future. I guess let's go in increments of two. So let's say 16 minutes into the future, like a meaningless thing. But it's like, you know, massive replay, which I fucking love, too,
0: because that's like big time, like eighth grade A.V. class energy where you're like. Yo, if I yes. plug the video camera into the TV and point it at the TV, then we have infinite TVs. <laughs> it's just, like, <laughs> amazing. It
1: reminded me almost of, like, when people first started getting smartphones, like, uh, you know, the uh, the iPhone. And it just the way that people naturally start, almost immediately go from oh my God, this is so cool. What is this? They don't understand it to, oh my God, let's just play with it. Let's get that beer drinking app, you know, like <laughs> from the original iPhone to immediately <laughs> like, whoa, what happens if I try to break it doing this one thing to the fourth and ultimate conclusion, which, you know, gets them in trouble. Okay, how do we make money? And it's such a natural approach. Like that's what's so good in this one. The, the script is just, it's just such a natural dynamic between this g- group of friends because there's like, three guys all together and this one girl and then like um, all the other characters just sort of uh, briefly appear. But what I love so much about the main character is that he's sort of resentful towards the other cast because he doesn't care about the future. He just wanted to go to bed. He had no idea that he was going to bump into this like magical... uh, What what do they call it? Time TV! They're just... (laughs) And and, and there's so many paradoxes in the film because oftentimes they're learning things from their future selves that they reiterate to their past selves that there's no other place they could have learned except from their future selves. And so it's... It's fun. It's actually willing to have a good time Mm -hmm. with time travel while sticking to some very consistent rules because it always has to be two months, uh, two minutes ahead of time, including a very awesome action sequence. Um, (laughs) But uh, yeah, the the fact that it's willing to be both lighthearted, but also stick to its own rules. That's why this one. Yeah, uh, well, it's it's like
0: mind boggling boggling the way like the way that everything (laughs) plays out. Jack said it perfectly it's it's fucking stressful like just you're just running these things to your head you're like wait how how is this happening but everything is 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 just like perfectly in sync but then also you realize that everything is so intricate and just on the verge of shattering and, and perfectly executed but then what are the stakes it's like well the character's got a scratch off ticket and then because of the two-minute time gap that they have created, they were able to win a free sleeping bag from the scratch-off ticket. <laughs> Which I think yeah. those are
1: those are free ones, I think. Those are the ones you don't even pay for. Those are like the free little scratch-offs they get in stores
2: that's even better I mean I think I think what's really funny is, is if if you know for a time travel film actually a student, well, like Shane Carruth is an analog of like a very hyper specific kind of filmmaker who likes to get into these intricate workings of, of time and space in his films this is really funny because it's, it's basically another of his films upstream color in terms of a film about cycles of behavior and addiction is kind of like ultimately what that film is about and trying to break free of those this film is kind of like that too, but it's the goofy heat. Lo-fi comedy uh, version, rather than like the the kind of brooding dramatic one. You know, it, it's it's like the specificity of Primer mixed with the you know kind of like the the themes of Upstream Color, but done as a light comedy, which is an in really odd kind of a, a product to exist. But it's really funny because we we learn like le- early on the main character, who yeah, as you mentioned, is like less least involved in the the excitement of this whole project. Part of that is because Uh, he wants to ask a girl out, the neighbor, he wants to ask her out. And his future self says she'll say yes. So he goes and does it and she says no. And then he realizes he has to lie to his past self or else he's creating a paradox, which is, of course, he's basically, you know, creating this like problem himself because he's trapping himself into these expectations. He held thematically. This is what's happening. It's, It's essentially about, you know, past and present versions or past and future versions of ourselves, trapping the present us into expectations. And, you know, there's a lot of of heft in that. There's a lot of things you could take from that. But then it's all brought into this ridiculous uh, low stakes initially, very low stakes, scratch cards, go and get like something like toy machine you know vending machine you're gonna get the toy you want uh, you know kind of like nonsense and then by the end of it they go like Douglas Adams time police show up and you're like what is happening here and then they kind of brush that off too like none, none of it stops the film can't stop it's like it's like speed but uh, instead of like a speeding bus that's gonna explode it's just two minute takes and they have to get to the next version because otherwise we'll all go wrong which I think is part of the stress of watching it. it's kind of like <laughs> (laughs) (laughs) i just i just don't i can't imagine the writer and the director and how they organized producing this film it is absolutely insane and this, this and to me this very much feels like this beyond the infinite two minutes particularly honestly even both of these films feel like the kind of things that if an american cinema got them and kind of made them with some like well-known com- you know, comedians, kind of like, you know, kind of well-liked comedians and put them in cinemas, I think they do really, really well and they'd probably be held, like held up as like, you know, serious, major, amazing things. But instead, they were done in Japan and no one really knows about them. No one's heard about <laughs> them and I'm kind of surprised, like I'm kind of surprised when it's been a remake of this. It kind of like, Beyond the minutes, kind of reminds me a little bit of like Adult Swim's Yule Log in that it's kind of like, like that you know absurd formal experimentation kind of like like we're not following any kind of genre rules but it's a much more to my mind like coherent structuring of that and also it wasn't made for tv which means it doesn't have those same kind of conceptions or preconceptions for an audience walking in um i i would i'm just kind of curious watching them like i was kind of curious like what would american cinema do with these Somehow I know mm-hmm. what French cinema would do with one of them because for some reason French cinema decided to go in on it, which is really weird. Um, but yeah, I I just got kind of like there, there's an interest, like they're they're very accessible, fun films, um, and it just feels like they they kind of like. They cross some international borders, but like they're not well known in the West, particularly not among like other than like you know big movie people. I think everyone kind of heard of One Cut of the Dead for that, but like I'm pretty sure if I were to go outside and talk to a normal person who sees sunlight on a daily daily basis, <laughs> they'd be like, "What are you talking about? I've never heard of this movie." You know, that is yeah. something
1: um, you you commented on there about um, two minutes uh, about. Uh, and I, I, I just I, I'm not trying to dog too much on the first movie, but it, it for me like it really is a good comparison that like One Color Dead, it's very much um it's very much talking about the past, like something we've already seen and then has to reiterate it over and over again. Whereas this is kind of playing mm-hmm. with that. It's it's what I really admire about uh uh, uh Two Minutes is that it, it's a it's a classic kind of uh low stakes science fiction movie where you're just trying to break the concept we were picking up this weird concept of almost like Twilight Zone, but trying to make sure that's destroyed by the end of this film. So you're trying all the gimmicks, and what um you know you always hear that thing about character as action, and we have a lot of characters in here. It is an ensemble cast. There is a main character, but like really, how much time does he get versus everyone else? Not much, Not that much of a difference. But like the scratch off, mm-hmm. the scratch off is such a simple uh, victory. But this guy is so happy about it. It tells us everything we need to know about this guy. The fact that he would be so excited to get a sleeping bag versus this more nerdy guy who immediately is like, oh my God, let's make let's actually test out this uh theory. Uh we get that great scene where they're moving the TVs around and he says, Ah, watch the banister. And we see that repeated three times because they actually uh, uh hit the TV. So we do get to see characters as action. So we do have like the our dweebs and our good-hearted uh Slavs, and uh this one guy who's who's and there's something I was thinking about uh, when I was watching it. This is a very uniquely Japanese pre-COVID kind of film because it's speaking to this idea of, oh, quit imagining how great the future is going to be. <laughs> Stop imagining you know, like that, that, that far-off future that's going to be so much better. We don't really do that. That is something I think uh, even Japan, I think, has changed a lot. They've literally had to witness their former... Uh, Prime Minister gunned down in the streets by a random guy who built a gun (laughs) inside of his apartment. Like, I'm pretty sure there's a there's a there's a touch of nihilism in Japan right now um the future
2: but, the future is a trap but I, I think it's funny in the film they joke about that, like there's this one point where they pull like a photo of rubble uh, that they happen to have and they hold it up in front of the screen to yeah. their past selves into thinking they've gone so far into the future that there's just rubble and it's like a weird just one-off joke yeah it's just, it's a very endearing
1: film because everyone um they're they are treating something that is miraculous as you would as uh you know just a really great group of friends would they're just like oh my god i can't believe this and let's let's have fun let's try and make money and it's just it feels good because it feels honest i don't know it's 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 a very sweet film even if it does feel uh as stagey as maybe the first one as theatrical as the first one it feels like they've leaned into the strengths and all the performances in this least, one, so. yeah, at
2: least it hit their marks and like I yeah, I don't know how they made this movie, but I imagine there must have been a lot of teeth gnashing. Like it's such a good natured movie, but it sounds like to, to to make a film like this it sounds like it would just be a teeth gnashingly <laughs> like awful, like grindingly specific task, mm-hmm. controlled task. And then the final film is this very light, bubbly, seventy minute kind of like, let's have fun production. Everybody's so happy, too. Like, every time they
0: discover something new, they're just like,
2: yeah!
0: (laughs) And then at home, you're like, yeah!
1: (laughs) (laughs) You just really get into it. It's a great drinking movie. (laughs) It's it's if you and the gang were having a couple of beers, and you accidentally discovered, like, a wormhole, you'd be like, what else can we do? You'd be like, let's go get the cat. The cat's in the wormhole, you know? like (laughs) It's just... It's a very silly, they don't actually do that in this movie, but it's just, it's a very natural, it's a very playful film, and even when things do get serious, um, it, it sort of repeats a lot of tropes that you see in certain um, uh, Japanese uh, comic books that are you know more youthful where the each individual character approaches our hero at one point, offering him an item for luck. And it's just like, it's very sweet and endearing. By that point, we know these characters, and we want to see him succeed. And we know he will, because it's just too sweet of a film. I don't want to spoil what happens. But uh, it, it actually, um, I, I, I feel like it, it, it kept going after what would be like an action climax to another section, like you mentioned, of the Time Police, where it's like, really? Do we really need this? And you know what? It goes on even beyond that. And the whole point of the film is that, like, who cares about the future? Just enjoy the present. Just be in the moment. You know, enjoy whatever's going on right in front of you. And that, I uh, like I said, I'm not trying to dog in it too much, but One Cut of the Dead, I don't really know what the message was, except for good things happen.
2: Yeah. <laughs> you know, I, yeah like, I think it's yay cinema. Yay cinema. Okay. This is like,
1: yeah, there really is something being said here about, like, you know, enjoy the people around you instead of, like, enjoying the future, which he's just being kind of dramatic because he had a he had a rough night, I think is all that's really happening. Uh, I don't think that's his bold characteristic from his... There's a reason he's friends with all these people. We see it very early on, too, when he says goodnight, and it's like, oh, safe walk home. <laughs> I just live upstairs. Just that really great... Um, uh, it's almost... It kind of reminds me of uh, It's a Wonderful Life or, you know, one of those, like, older films, those uh, sort of times that never existed of just small town... Ah oh, shucks! And Then it turns into the Twilight Zone, and uh, before you know it, there's even a crime drama, and uh, I don't know, just a, a really, Gee, really lovely you know, film.
2: I, I just, I just remembered actually. Uh, Beyond the Infinite Two Minutes is a shit movie, and it sucks. And oh. I just remembered why. And oh it's, no! It's because the entire thing. Uh, centers on the one monitor having like a 50 foot power lead attached to it, which is totally unrealistic. I think it <laughs> one it literally just picks up the, the iPod, like the Apple monitor and just carries it downstairs without ever unplugging it. And that's just done without anyone commenting on it. It's like, there's no way the power lead is that long. This is ridiculous. So Listen, frankly, sometimes, everything else credible. I, I, I mean, I got a, I got a hundred foot <laughs> extension cord in my garage, so anything is possible. <laughs> Just, that does, like, imagine, yeah, imagine, imagine all your electronics in your, in your condo were plugged in with a hundred foot of, of just excess cable <laughs> just in case. That's
0: what you need to do, yeah, in just in me. case. In case you open up a wormhole, <laughs> that's what you got to do, so.
2: Yeah, in case of time travel, mm-hmm. you got to keep things open. Yeah. It, that's, it, that's what I took away from this movie.
1: That's, that's certainly something you were talking about, how there's a a, a French remake of this, and th- there is certainly something that you see in, like, I don't know, French films, like... Oh, there's, I don't well, know, French, Michonne, there's
2: a French remake Michonne of Gordy one cut. Or, not,
0: not a French remake of two
2: minutes. Yeah, none of this one. Oh,
1: of one cut. Okay. Because I was going to say, this does remind me of, like, uh, sort of like the surrealist element that you see, where it's like, we're only going to have a couple of surrealist elements. We're going to leave everything else alone. So, yes, there's going to be time travel, and for some reason, a super long cable. Because I was thinking that, too, like... Does it just not have a cable? But then you see it every once in a while, and you're like, "What the fuck? Where is that from?" No, um, they- but
2: no, it's still plugged in upstairs. It is a good <laughs> reminder not to worry
0: about that shit in movies, though, because this is like you know the the cinema sins moment where they're like, "Um, in beyond the infinite two minutes, there's a." Uh, uh, a scene where he carries the monitor down and it never gets unplugged. And what does he have a 100 foot extension cord plugged into it? I don't think so. It's like, well, are, are we just going to ignore the fact that he opened up a fucking wormhole with his TV at his cafe? Like, fuck you. <laughs> ignore it. Go with it. It's hundred
2: percent within the theme of the film of, in you know, don't feel trapped by the details of the past and present. Mm-hmm. Just go fucking with it. Yeah, go with that's it. Really yep. the fil- that's really where the film does exist in the eternal present. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's that's really what it's all about. Exactly. And yeah. All right. It's 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 a lot of it fun. It is fun. Like this one. Watch this movie.
0: Watch the other movie. Watch both the movie. I just want to say before we go,
1: that I just want to say that they did summarize the entire philosophy of the film as <laughs> that one guy. They're all looking into the future, and they're just like, "Whoa! You should ask him how you how to season your eggs." You know, and the guy goes, "That's my choice," like very <laughs> defiantly. <laughs> and um, yeah, no matter what the future's supposed to be, they do this re- repeatedly. Whatever the future's supposed to be, just live your life how you want to. That's your choice. That's don't a great let anybody message, tell you how to season your travel. eggs. Yeah, don't let anybody yeah, tell even you. Even the police. All yeah. cops are bad, even from yep. the future. <laughs> exactly. If,
0: it, if the time cops tell you to put like fucking paprika on your eggs, tell them to suck your dick far as i'm concerned absolutely yeah uh but yeah i i guess on that note we gotta wrap things up so uh colin we're gonna start with you again i hope that's okay what are you putting over this week
1: well well you know guys um what am i putting over this week (laughs) you know (laughs) I, i no no i'm just trying to think right now because i know that uh i i've just been doing a lot of uh thinking about this uh we're recording in advance, obviously, because we're not going to be around uh, l- the later in March. Um, but uh, I'm really excited because I'm going to go see Ant-Man tonight. And I'm going to see Creed 3 because of uh, this actor that I really like, uh, Jonathan Majors. <laughs> a really cool guy. Um, he's got a good head on his shoulders. I really like where he's going to be. Um, um, I mean, I would bank my reputation on that. He's a good guy. Yeah. Um, and I can't wait to see him. He's the guy that's getting me in the in the theater. That's, yeah, you know, on my bucket of popcorn. Jonathan Major's one of a kind. <laughs> Got to put him over. Just
2: try not, try not to choke on the popcorn or in other ways uh, restrict your airflow. That would be bad. Oh, no, mm-hmm.
1: it's the worst, too, because when you get the butter on your hands and you're trying to, you're coughing a little bit, you're trying to put your hands around your own throat and it's slipping off a little bit. And uh, it's just awful. Uh, But other than that, uh, (laughs) uh, I would suggest uh, I've been playing a video game that uh, Jack is very familiar with, and I just completed it, and it is called Judgment, and it is a uh, spin-off from the Like a Dragon series, aka the Yakuza series. Cool series of video games. Um, I'm really enjoying Judgment, or I'm really enjoying its sequel right now, Lost Judgment, but the first game, it's really cool. You play as a detective. He used to be a lawyer, a defense lawyer who, uh, you know, in Japan, uh, apparently 99.9% of the cases um, are, you're found guilty, but he was able to get this guy off. But then what happened next? That guy went home and murdered his girlfriend. And so, you know, he left in disgrace and he plays this sort of detective in this uh, it really is a noir it really is a successful noir because you're you're never sure where you're going and there's shadowy organizations and things aren't always as they seem i really recommend it because it's also (laughs) it's also one of those games that just has random battles so you'll just be running out of a convenience store some punks will try and fight you and before you know it you've kicked a person through three aisles of uh, ramen and that's just great in between you know trying to be deadly serious about um alzheimer's uh because mm. it does it does have some great writing. Um uh but yeah, that's that's what I like to put over. And once again, Jonathan Majors. I think this is gonna be a great weekend for him. Uh, I can't wait to see what happens.
0: <laughs> Couldn't agree more, Colin. Jack, what are you putting <laughs> over this week? <laughs>
2: Well, I will say Judgment is great. Definitely recommend that. I'm going to stick with Japan. Actually, all of it's Japan. Everyone, Japan's making all of our culture for this episode. Uh, I recently got around to uh, Kiko Oku's film, Tremble All You Want, which was recently put out on Blu-ray by Connie Releasing, are like one of the OCN Vinegar Syndrome partner labels. Um, it's a romantic comedy. Um. Not seen anything else by her. I'm definitely going to track down some more now. It's It occurs to me, you know, in watching this, it's like, gosh, not many not Yakuza action movies make it out of Japan uh, for the Western audiences. Like, there's a few, like, shall we dance to break through, but like, there's a whole film industry of other genres that are mostly a mystery to me as someone who watches a lot of Japanese films. But it's it's essentially, it's it's a romantic comedy, kind of playful, uh, about a girl who basically is trying to look for love, but she's really hung up on her high school boyfriend and her misadventures. It, it has almost kind of a Romare feel to it, but a really fun, lovely film, uh, really engaging, just a very... Very fun thing. So definitely worth worth checking out if you were a fan of romantic comedies and just films that are just kind of nice and interesting. And it's it's not like a micro budget thing either. And it, it has many cuts in it. So you don't have to worry about any of that. And it also was a musical number at one point just because it's that kind of a movie. So tremble all you want. Uh check it out. Love it. Well,
0: uh this week I'm gonna go against the grain here. I'm ignoring Japan. Just kind of in general. Just what fuck you can't do that steve what i just did sorry i i'm not i'm not <sighs> gonna let your actions uh, determine how i live in the present jack have we learned nothing um, <laughs> you son of a bitch <laughs> but hey guess what just showed up at my door first of all shout out to uh the usps man because uh postal service has been doing very well i i ordered stuff from the criterion flash sale and it showed up at my house like literally on my doorstep like two days later which is fucking crazy um and then I ordered from the, uh, the Indicator powerhouse flash sale that they had, and my shit shipped within like an hour, which is crazy. And also, shock of the century, uh, I, I come home on, on Friday, and what is at my doorstep, Jack? But uh, the latest from Second Sight, it is George Ramiro's Martin. And uh, if you've seen the movie, I, you, you probably already love it. If you don't love it, uh, get your fucking head checked. I think it's, it's probably Ramiro's best. Um, which I know that's like night of the living dead slander, but uh, both great movies, but absolutely love Martin. And, uh, it's good too. If you went to high school with some kid who's like, I'm a vampire and you're like, shut up pussy. But then like, maybe he is, uh, this, this wrestles with that exact same question and maybe
2: he has a bad home. Maybe Yeah, maybe maybe, maybe
0: he just has a bad home life. (laughs) (laughs) Remember that the next time you try to install the goth kid. Uh, but yeah, it's. (laughs) It's it's a wonderful movie, and the the second sight, um, restoration and just entire package is, is jaw dropping. It's beautiful, uh, God, it's got some weight to it. You could you could club someone to death with this easily, uh, and perhaps I have already. Who's to say? Uh, but yeah, if if you're a fan of Martin, or if you've never seen it, this is the way to see it. Get yourself, uh, the new second sight package. Beautiful 4K restoration. Uh, just like a huge booklet in this thing. Bunch of postcard images which I love getting and you look at them and you go what the fuck do I do with these little guys? I never know, but I I have I have them now. They're in a box. So, here we are. Uh but yeah, Martin, watch Martin. And hey, if you listen to this podcast, do us a big favor. In the description of this podcast, that'll take you to our Patreon page. And uh why why would you want to go to our Patreon page? And the answer is because you can give us money. And who wouldn't want to do that, honestly? Uh, it it is such a joy to give us money and that helps pay for this podcast and, and the various hosting costs that we incur. And when you support us, you get all kinds of goodies. Isn't that nice? If you live in the continental United States and you donate at absolutely any level, um, you are going to get a free movie in the mail from me. Very, very exciting. Uh, could be anything. Could be a VHS tape, DVD, Blu-ray box that you have no idea. Uh, it's very exciting, and that will of course also give you access to um, all of the Optimism Vaccine Patreon content, uh, including you know written articles, special podcasts, things like that. Now, uh, in addition to that, if you want to go up to the next level, you want to become an OVVIP at five dollars. What does five dollars get you? Well. Uh, Get you a lot. First of all, you get some real special shit that only five and above homies get. Uh things like voting on future episode content. We just had a poll go up. And uh if you are listening and you are a five and above uh donor, make sure I actually I don't even know if it's gonna line up properly. Like this podcast will drop and the fucking poll will be closed for like two days or something. <laughs> but um yeah, you get you get to vote on a future episode. Now, Jack, I did something here that uh so some would call foolhardy or cruel and that is uh, i gave our patrons the chance to vote however the, the topics were deeply unclear and all just vaguely sexual so uh, <laughs> it, the funny thing is it's very on brand yeah it's one yeah very on brand what what the fuck did you expect and only one of the four choices actually involves what could be considered in in the traditional sense to be a form of pornography so um just just a form of
2: pornography known as pornography yes <laughs> yeah, but like not 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 your
0: typical it's, it's not it's not your daddy sucking and fucking let me tell you that it's it's, it's
2: well, i know one of the films is actually really really good uh and the other one i god i hope no one chooses it because i don't want to have to it's, watch it's, it the
0: other one is really really short i'll give <laughs> that's all i know that's 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 the hint yeah but the other one is really long it's three yeah hours. so it all kind of like you know it it, it balances uh, and, and Jack, you'll be happy to know that uh, the, the one featuring a porno that you don't like is, uh, it's, I think it's in third place currently. So it it's slim chance. It'll, it'll win. I do like how you were able to, without knowing what was actually included <laughs> in any of these titles, you looked at that one and you said, God, I hope this one isn't this thing. And I'm like, Jack, I regret to inform you. <laughs> it is in fact that thing.
2: I've been spending too much time with Steve. <laughs> mm,
0: that's right. You, you've, you've fully understood my diseased brain, but uh, yeah, anyways, these are all going to be fun. Well, I mean, fun, heavy finger quotes, but uh, interesting nonetheless. So you can vote on that shit. That's exciting. Also five and above, you get your name read out on the air. I'm going to try and be my host right now. See if I can do this. So, um, you know, you can get a shout out you, if you're hoofy, Hoof or CWW or Evan or, uh, shit, I'm still scrolling down, Ryan, uh, Dustin, Paula, all kings and queens, the lot of them, God bless them, they're heroes, uh, and you know what, if you want to go even higher, you want to hit that, that $25, that little Lord Fauntleroy, uh, tier of our Patreon, if you pay us 25 bucks, even if it's just for a month, you get to choose a whole ass episode yourself, you don't have to vote in some weird fucking poll, you can make us watch anything, it's super exciting, so, yeah. Anyways, give us money. We'd really appreciate it. We need it. We got to pay for shit. uh How are we going to support Colin's drug habit if we don't get a, a monthly stipend? Right? Like, you know, uh, as as Please he frequently donate. says, "PCP don't buy itself." Like that's kind of like our our little Colin, saying around you here. You
2: put uh, the Sarah McLachlan song over this part about your drug habit like, <laughs> might, might win some people over. I, I think that'd be good. <laughs>
0: It was a bunch of sad fucking animals. That's what the video should be. <laughs> sad animals. Yeah. Come on. <laughs> all of a sudden, we lose all. Of I our just see a few. I will to remember and, uh, you. Will so you, you. donate to
1: take care of these animals, but also yeah. uh, you know just while you're doing that, at three or four bucks, I'll, you know,
0: every three dollars <laughs> you donate, yeah. Like we're we're definitely. I mean, if, if there's one thing that we could all agree on here at Optimism Vaccine is we're single issue voters and our single issue oh, yeah. is uh pit bulls are actually nice that's that's the kind of people <laughs> <we are. laughs> i fucking love those people They're like we yeah, don't we don't I, care I about human everyone else rights to at all. know if you if you fucking try and ban pit bulls in our town of of 1300 people i will fucking come for you that's that's the kind of voters we are that's that's it uh where were we oh this yeah I'm, the most, I'm, uh, kinda, I'm trying to be a shill right now what am i fucking doing um yeah, if you have any questions, comments, death threats, marriage proposals, uh, if if you're wondering if Colin is okay and you want to ask him to blink twice, uh, OptimismVaccine at gmail.com, <laughs> or you can tweet at us at OptimismVaccine, we'd love to hear from you. Uh, Adam Myros is always standing by, always smashing refresh, except for now, because he's uh, he's off being a little film school boy today. I don't know what he's fucking doing. He's... Uh, He's he, probably making a low budget zombie movie. Yeah, he probably is. He's, he's making a, he's making a sequel to warm bodies. You guys, you guys remember warm bodies? Damn. What if I oh. really
2: never did catch that? Yeah, movie.
0: because it's like, I mean, it, it's bringing YA and, and the zombie craze together. And it's saying like, what if I want to like dry hump a zombie in my sweatpants? And, and that's what it's about. Yeah. What if
2: zombies were dreaming? Yeah, what if they were doing? Oh what if you yeah. Him? Yeah.
0: Yeah, what if you could change him back? What if, what if you could just bring him back to life? Who's to say? Uh, yeah, I don't know. I haven't seen the fucking movie, but Myros is working on that sequel. He's probably, <laughs> probably going to get paid. And uh, yeah. The- Good reference there, Steve. <laughs> I was like, what's a, what's a zombie movie I could think of? Warm Bodies, that's the
2: one. Um, yeah, I, I don't know. I was <laughs> we talking about Romero like three minutes ago. No, Warm bodies. bodies! Because I,
0: come on, oh, or I wrote an unofficial sequel to, uh, to Dawn of the Dead. That's too obvious. That's too obvious for Adam Meyers. <laughs> well,
1: Warm Bodies is, Warm Bodies is definitely, uh, the inferior romance between human and zombie type compared to, what was it, Return of the Living Dead? Three? Is that the one where Three, they're... Three, yeah, yeah. yeah.
2: Master Brian Euston's uh, Romeo and Juliet masterpiece mm-hmm. of zombie lore. Yeah. <laughs> I say that unironically. It's an amazing film. What about, Dude, what about in Dead so Alive with awesome the Karate
0: end. Priest zombie like finger bangs that zombie check under the, under the table? That's romance, right? <laughs>
2: <laughs> by our standards, yes, I think so. It's been said. Based on your Patreon goals, yes, counts as romance. Good. Uh, yeah you could also if
0: you have any relationship questions you can send those to us OptimismVaccine at gmail.com we're happy to answer those uh, just, just, uh, just a, lot of, a lot of experts here at Optimism Vaccine I think that about wraps things up producer Colin do you have anything you'd like to end on I got a zebra pill bug we